Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Monday morning, the 22nd of February. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Leaving search students and very young children from junior infants up to second class could be back in school next Monday. Other children may also return to school on a phased basis over the coming weeks and childcare may open for the children of non-essential workers next month too. After that though, there is little hope of any change. Living with COVID was one thing. Living with COVID and uh, the new mutant variants is another. Michal Martin says reopening uh, the country will be very slow. In his Radio Nagelhukta interview broadcast on Saturday, the Taoiseach said it will be the end of April before the situation is reviewed and that it'll be the middle of the summer at the earliest before hospitality reopens. The Cabinet meets uh, today and uh, the government is expected to approve uh, the recommendations made to it by the Cabinet subcommittee on COVID which meets today. Helen McEntee is a member of that subcommittee and obviously a member of Cabinet as well and the Minister for Justice joins us on the line and a very good morning to you Minister and thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, Apart from a good change in the weather, is there really anything for us to look forward to at this stage? Well look, I I fully appreciate it. I know that people want clarity and, and they want to know not just how the next few months and, and weeks will impact on their daily lives, their business, various different industries and sectors want to know when they're going to be opening and when things can get back to some resemblance of normality. As you've just outlined, what we intend to do and what we hope to do is to open society in a phased and a gradual way, starting with schools. We have many students with special needs returning to school for the first time today, which is very positive. We'll have many more students next week and the week after. And we need to be able to see, based on the fact, as you mentioned, that we have new variants, we have uh, a positivity rate that is reducing, but at a much slower rate. We need to see how those increased numbers, the increased mobility across our country will impact on those numbers. And then how do we look at the next phase? How do we look at new sectors? How do we look at reopening things? What I want to ensure happens, and and I think we all agree with this, and, and my colleagues in Cabinet, but everybody I've spoken to, We want this to be the last lockdown. I don't want a situation where we have our society reopening, where we have, whether it's retail, whether it's our hospitality sector, whether it's everybody feeling as though we're getting back to some normality and then having to close society again 
So we need to be very careful how we open things up. We need to absolutely acknowledge and I fully acknowledge and I've spoken to a lot of people in the last few days who are really finding this extremely difficult, not just on a personal level, but because of their business, how things are are, are pro- progressing and prolonging longer than they thought they would. Financial ruin. Fi- financial challenges, yes. Mm-hmm. And for some, it, it's going to be very difficult for them to come back and, and to get back on their feet. And I fully accept that. And we need to try and make sure that as we're doing this slowly, we continue to provide financial support and where possible that we provide as much clarity as possible. And we will try and do that tomorrow. And I, and I know it's not going to be you know, we're not going to be able to say tomorrow on this date, this is what's going to open and this is what's going to happen. But I do hope that we'll be able to provide some clarity that as we reopen our schools, as we reopen certain parts of society, that if the numbers continue to decrease and we can keep them stable, that it will allow us to continue on and and to hopefully by the summer that we will see some semblance of normality. People will be able to see family friends, businesses can start to reopen and that this will be the last time that we're, we're going through this particular type of... And that's because of uh, the risk of people becoming very sick and uh, mortality for that matter. Uh, and if this is uh, to be the last of uh, the lockdowns, uh, does that mean that we have to have uh, the people who are most vulnerable to falling ill to that degree protected? Or to put that a- another way, does that mean that lockdown will have to continue until the over 70s have been vaccinated? So I think the the positive uh, thing that I can say about this is that our vaccination programme is increasing and is being rolled out. Um, We went from having initially around 45 or 65,000 vaccinations a week to 90,000 last week. And we anticipate there would be 110,000 people vaccinated this week. And those numbers will Mm. continue to increase. Um, Obviously, the first three groupings, we have our frontline workers, we have those in, in residential settings over 65 and then our 75 and plus. This week or the week just gone, we saw those over 85 starting to get their vaccinations. As that you know continues, those numbers will come down um, and obviously we will start working through the various different levels. I hope as part of our, our announcement tomorrow as we provide clarity, we will also be able to provide greater clarity to everybody, not mm. just those you know, those but is that the game changer, do you think, Minister? Do you, do you think having the over 70 cohort vaccinated is the game changer in terms of the government's ability to reopen? Well, I, I don't think it's just about our over 70s. I think, you know, while it's been uh, clearly shown that many people are, most of, of our at-risk group are, is that age category, we need to make sure that people with disabilities, those with underlying conditions, that they are protected, that Mm. they are vaccinated as quickly as possible. And that all of society, because we know when it comes to our vaccinations, that they protect people from from getting the virus. But we need to make sure that, you know, we still don't have younger people that are able to pass it on to others. So we want to get through the various different groups as quickly as possible, while also trying to ease up restrictions, get people back to work and do so in a safe way. So I think it's about mm. both of them happening at the same time. And we need to be careful that there isn't a feeling that, you know, vaccinations are happening, particular cohorts are fine, therefore everything else is going no, to be No, I, I don't mean to give that a, a impression. And I understand that people with underlying illnesses are to be moved up uh, the list and vaccinated sooner than would have originally been anticipated. But, uh, I mean, in a general sense, for... 
all of us uh, who, as you say, are fed up to the gills with all of this and want to get back to some normality. I, I mean, could you envisage a situation where we'd be able to go to a restaurant, just a, as an example, before the over, over 70s uh, have been vaccinated or, or that cohort of very vulnerable people, which include people with underlying illnesses and disabilities and so on, or to a gastro pub or to a wet pub or to outdoor sport or to a gig indoors or outdoors or to non-essential retail or to any of uh, these things that we would have considered to be normal, to be able to uh, drive six kilometres away from our house uh, without it being for work purposes? Do you know, Michael, I I want to be Mm. able to give you that clarity. I really do. Mm. I want to be able to say that when X amount of people are vaccinated, this is exactly what our society will look like and this is exactly what people will do. And it's very difficult for me to do that, I suppose, when we don't have that absolute clarity because of the fact that we have to respond and react to the numbers, to, you know, and you mentioned earlier, the number of people, the positive cases every day, the number of people in our hospitals, the number of people in ICU. And it's only as we see them coming down and we work with our medical experts, our scientific experts, try and understand the implications of those numbers on society as we open things up. It's only by bringing all of that together and it's very difficult to say in in one sitting that this is exactly what things will look like when we... I do appreciate that and I'm sure people listen to... I'm sorry that I can't. Yeah, no, I'm sure people appreciate that, Minister, um, but at the same time, you know, they're hoping for something else uh, and uh, it sounds as though you can't give any hope for the month of April. You're not able to do that. It's not possible. Uh, But Easter then, Uh, on the 4th of April uh, and uh, many people of a a Christian faith will be hoping to celebrate Easter, uh, go to a place of worship. Uh, Do you think that that might be a possibility? Do you know what I can say? While while I can't say that, you know, this is what's going to happen in the next two or three months, what I can say is that as we open up our schools, as we get children back to school over the next few weeks, every few weeks we are going to assess what that type of change means and how that impacts on our overall numbers and what that will allow us to do next. So, you know, I I don't think, you know, I'd be saying that we can't give anybody any hope or any glimmer of change for April. But what I would say is that we need to take it day by day, week by week. And that's a very difficult thing to say for businesses who are trying to plan ahead, who, you know, speaking to people in retail where they're looking to buy for the autumn and, and have to look at winter already at this stage. But we need to take things week by week. And if the numbers can continue to decrease, if we see that the, the, the mass movement of people going to school and parents dropping off and all of that doesn't have a negative impact on these numbers, then we can start looking positively, whether it's on Easter, whether it's slightly beyond that, looking at retail, looking at construction, looking at everyday life and, you know, as you say, going beyond the five kilometres, seeing more than just people in our own household, which at this stage, you know, we all love our family, but we'd love to be able to meet mm. up with friends and, and other people outside of that circle. So I think we need to just take it, it day by day, it, week it, by it week. It remains possible uh, at this stage that any worship for Easter will be virtually done. That is absolutely a possibility and I don't want to give people false hope. But at the same time, I think people need to know that if they continue in what they're doing, if we all continue in what we're doing and the numbers continue to reduce as they have been because it's working. Everything mm. that people are is, doing, is that, hard work that have been, has been put in sorry, Minister, is working. Sorry, Minister, is that really the situation? For as long as people aren't vaccinated and these variants exist, surely... 
uh, if we reopen, the thing comes flying back, no matter how low the numbers are. But this is why we need to do all of this together. Yeah. So if people mm. continue to work in the way that they have in restricting their movements, restricting their engagement with people, all of the, the health restrictions we've asked people to adhere to while rolling out our vaccine, we have anticipated now that we'll have over a million doses for the month of April and that type of figure will continue and only increase over the summer months. We have many people in place to roll out these vaccines and to make sure that as quickly as they're coming in, people are able to access them. So it's about both of these things happening at the same time. People continuing their efforts, bringing these numbers down. It is, I mean, we can see in the numbers overall, it is challenging where you have a new variant. Nine out of 10 positive cases are these new or is this new UK variant, which we know is more transmissible. And we've seen now numbers decrease significantly in the last few months, but continuing to decrease maybe more slowly as we reach certain numbers around the thousand mark. So we need to try and get them down even further. But most importantly, we need to get the number of people in hospital, the number of people in ICU down further. Mm. So it's about all of these things happening at the same time. There is no one magic solution here. But I suppose me, me saying that people, you know, the work that they are doing is working I, I think it's important to say that because often we only hear about what's going wrong mm-hmm. or where, you know, there have been breaches and where things aren't working. Well, well there's people alive today because of how we've been right. behaving. There's no doubt about that, Minister. And I, I won't press you on what the Taoiseach meant by the middle of the summer. I will take it that there's very little hope of any change next month other than school children and childcare. It'll be reviewed then in April and going into the summer and depending on the vaccination rollout uh, well, perhaps uh, there'll be change at that stage. Uh, you'll be meeting with the subcommittee today and uh, making the recommendations uh, then as a member of Cabinet tomorrow. Uh, you'll be uh, announcing uh, that decision uh, uh, later in the week, I think. When, when can we expect uh, the government announcement? The, the government announcement should be tomorrow. So, as you've said, Cabinet will meet again right. this evening and then mm. the full Cabinet will okay. approve tomorrow with a, a clear indication from the Taoiseach. Okay, the rest of the very government. good. You're very busy, obviously, with all of that, uh, but uh, you've uh, some other work to do as well as uh, the Minister for Justice, uh, a reforming minister uh, by all accounts, it seems, Minister McEntee, and uh, you're announcing reforms of uh, justice uh, today and some fairly significant reforms coming down the line as well. So today I'm, and, and this morning in the next hour, I'm publishing uh, with my department a three-year strategy statement. But as part of that, a very detailed justice plan for this year, which contains about 200 plus actions, which we hope to have implemented by the end of the year. And really, this is about creating a, a justice system that works, but that is accessible to absolutely everybody. We've, and I have essentially split it into to five different goals or areas. It's firstly about tackling crime transforming our policing system, enhancing national security. Secondly, looking at how we can improve access to justice and modernise our court system for people. The third goal is focused on community safety, reducing reoffending, but also supporting victims, and in particular, a priority for me to tackle domestic and sexual violence. The fourth goal is focused on a, a fair immigration system, one that is underpinned by a, a new digital strategy. And then the fifth goal is taking all of that innovation and that digital transformation and applying it to the entire justice sector. So it's very broad, it's, it's very varied. The department itself deals with a, a lot of issues, not just COVID. Uh, and this action plan is setting out with timelines and dates uh, as to how we're going to achieve various uh, different goals. And uh, for people who are living in uh, this country who are not 
undocumented, uh, the undocumented uh, people living in this country, can they expect uh, that uh, their status uh, will be formalised and that they'll be allowed to live here in the coming months? Well, well, what I'm planning to do and and I will be announcing today that we will begin accepting applications for a regularisation scheme for thousands of undocumented migrants by the end of this year. And really the way that I look at this is that I want people who are living in this country in, in an undocumented way who have been living here for years, contributing to so many communities, families are growing up here. I want them to be treated with the same compassion that we're asking for Irish immigrants who are for the most part living in America, who are in an undocumented situation, that we provide them with the clarity and the certainty maybe that our citizens don't have. So, And that means they'll be allowed to stay, does it? This means that they would be allowed to stay. You have some people who are here for 10, 15, mm. 20 years. They haven't been able to return to their own country. They have family. They have worked, contributed to this country for decades but they are in an undocumented situation and we can all think of and we know family and friends who are in a very similar situation in other countries, how difficult it is for them. And I want to announce by the end of this year and open up a new scheme that will allow these people a chance to, to, to regularise their status and to become documented. And what about licensing hours, Minister? Well, this is part of, and, and people might have, might have heard over the last day or so, a plan to reform our licensing laws. Um, at the moment, our licensing system, and this is for not just pubs, restaurants, nightclubs, but all of our types of cultural venues. It's based on a model that was set out in the 19th century in 1833, and we've had various different types of upgrades and changes over the last few years, but it needs to be modernised further. So what I'm planning, again, this is one of the actions in the plan of 200 plus actions. What we're planning is to change the laws, to retract some of the legislation that currently exists, to make it easier for businesses to function, but to work with the Nighttime Economy Task Force to show how we can provide as much cultural offerings as possible, not just to people at home, when COVID does start to ease, when these industry and sectors start to reopen, but also tourists and people who will come into this country that we provide as much options for them as possible. And does that mean that licences will be uh, available <coughs> On a 24-hour basis, not that one publican would have a 24-hour licence, uh, but that there would be a pub open somewhere 24 hours a day. No, so this this is not what I'm looking to achieve. And, you know, it's important that this is not just about how can we keep our pubs open and give people access to alcohol for as long as possible. This is about um, acknowledging that there are different types of cultural offerings that we need to cater for that. Mm that we need to give, yes, I think extended hours in certain circumstances, perhaps at our weekends, where you have thousands of people coming out onto our streets at the same time without anywhere to go or perhaps anywhere to, to further progress their nice. But at the same time, we need to make it easier for these businesses to operate. So, But does, um, that, does that mean in practice like that a nightclub, let's say, is closing at two o'clock in the morning uh, and down the street uh, a pub will be opening at one o'clock in the morning so that when people come out uh, they can go to that pub or they can go to that pub earlier so that you don't have uh, this uh, flood of people onto the streets at the same time. And that pub then might stay open until six o'clock in the morning. Well, I suppose a lot of this has to be worked through and this is quite a large piece of legislation so this will take time over the coming months but it is about providing flexibility, it's about having staggered opening hours, it's about uh, having different times, acknowledging that different types of venues offer different things so it's, you know, we have fantastic musicians we have fantastic artists, DJs, promoters we have different types of bars we have different types 
of pubs, be it in rural or towns and villages, with different types of venues like our uh, art galleries, you know, all of these places that have a very cumbersome um, approach that has to be taken to, uh, you know, to, to getting their licences. It's costly in many instances. As I said, it's based on legislation, some of it uh, back to the 18th or the, the 19th century and some of it from the, the early 1900s. So it's about updating our laws, supporting the industry, acknowledging that we have a lot to offer. The different parts of our cultural economy have different things to offer. And it's how do we do this in a safe way. So at the moment, the Nighttime Economy Task Force, which is chaired under Catherine Martin and her department, is looking at not just licensing hours, but it's how do we provide that cultural offering to people, doing it in a safe way, working with communities, working with Angarda Siakana, and, you know, setting out a vision for the nighttime economy. As an industry, particularly with COVID-19, it, it is on its knees. So many people working in this sector, yes, they need the supports now and they need to know when they will reopen, but they also need to know that we have a longer-term plan for the future. And that's why I have announced this as part of my plan today, to show that we're not just thinking about the here and now, that we do have a plan for the future, that we do want to support this industry and those who work within it. And we also want to give everybody who, who enjoys the wonderful nightlife in Ireland uh, as much to, to, that we can offer as possible. OK, Minister, we live there. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. That's uh, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, who's uh, Fine Gael TD for Mideast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.